Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hey, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm your host, Davey Blackburn, and join with me in the studio, my co-host, Emily Schiltz. Hello. Emily, how are you? I'm good. I always say I'm good, but I really you, am good. You know, I really believe that. Like, I really believe that you're always good. Like, yeah, you have this, this like contagious personality that even if you're not feeling good, you're still like, you're good. Hey, thanks. It's really, it's really awesome. People gravitate to you because of that. Man, that's nice. I'm excited. It's, you know, fall is completely in the air. It's oh, here. Yeah. I mean, it is like, we are, we are in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to Christmas. Yes, are you? Absolutely, have I Have you am. listened to Christmas music Of yet? course I have. I started what? listening to Christmas music on November 1st. Davey. Let me tell you my ritual. Every November 1st, Christmas music and watching the elf. Okay. The Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right. the elf. Yeah. I mean, the, that's the, that is the ritual every November 1st. Huh. And Did people are going to be mad. They're going to scrutinize me about that, but you know what? I don't care. Hey, no, that's fine. One of our students yeah. in the student section is in like the elf play. And really? He's, he's elf. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. I know. There's, I, I'm sure he does just as good as Will Ferrell. I hope. I'm We're sure going to go does. see it. Congratulations. <laughs> you did it. You World's did it. best cup of coffee. Santa. Love it. You know who else loves the elf that, I'm gonna, that I showed it to him this year for the Ew. first time? Ready? Weston. Oh, Weston. Loves it. I believe it. It's gonna, I mean, it's just like, it's going to be his favorite movie ever of yeah. all time. Past all of them. We thought maybe um, it'd be fun if Weston helped us co-host yeah. today. Mm-hmm. In fact, I figured it'd be even better if we put him here live. <gasps> Not just yeah. a recording. Like, let's, let's talk to Weston live. Weston, say hi. Hi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everybody out there what, uh, what you got to do um, last week. I go to Mama's house. You went to Mama's house? Is that your favorite place to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you do at Mama's house? I play. You play? What do you play? All the toys. With all the toys? Do you guys like to sing? Yeah. What do you guys sing? I sing, I mean, we're marching and in the carry. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I am the world's army. Yes, sir. I am the world's army. Yes, sir. I am the world's army. Yes, sir. I am the march in the infantry. Right in the cavalry. Shooting the terror. Never fly. I am the Lord's army. Yes, yes sir. sir. Good Yay. job, dude. That was amazing. I know, even though you said shoot the nativity, <laughs> which is definitely anti-Christmas. Yeah. And we love Christmas. But listen, we have an incredible interview today for you. Yeah. And it's only going to be part one because this interview was so good. Um, and the reason I brought Weston on is because each one of these guys that we interview, uh, they spent some time, each of them, in yeah. federal prison away from their young one. Mm. And so so we have Jamel McGee and Andrew Collins joining us. And Jamel spent some time away from his son. And uh, I think his son was only about 15 months old. 
at the time, which was the time, which was the age that Weston was when Amanda passed. And then um, uh, Andrew's daughter, he had to spend mm. some time away from her. And so it's just an unbelievable story of loss and trial and forgiveness yeah. and reconciliation and confession. And it's just, it's so inspiring. We had them come into our church and that, what a powerful yeah. Sunday that was. Yeah, it was. To share their story. And uh, so I can't wait for you to, to hear this interview with them. Yeah, grab your notebooks. Let's jump in. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm sitting here in the studio with Andrew Collins and Jamel McGee. And I'm telling you, you have in store for you a fantastic, unbelievable, God-sized story. And so, guys, Jamel, Andrew, thanks for joining me. Yeah. Good to have you guys here. I'm not even going to waste time because this is going to be such an incredible, incredible thing. So here's what I would love for you guys to do. In the fashion that you, whatever fashion you want to, I want you to tell the listener your story as if they've never heard of it. Just kind of walk us through some of the events of what has brought you to this place. Um, so, Andrew, you want to start for us? Sure, yeah. I mean... Uh, yeah, I mean, where do you even start with this, right? Yeah, so I think yeah. we got to start in 2006 where uh, I was a police officer and I had been a cop for uh, just shy of three years and uh, I was a narcotics detective. And um, I just started that day with a narcotics arrest, uh, which led to a phone call. That guy didn't want to go to jail. Uh, he wanted to go home. So uh, he made a phone call to a, a local drug dealer who I knew the name, but I didn't know the guy. I just mm -hmm. knew he was a target uh, federally, and I knew that this would be a big notch in my belt if I got this guy. Yep. So I got excited about that, you know. And and he made the phone call. I listened to the phone call. He ordered up an ounce of crack. Said where they where they'd meet at, what the vehicle would be, and all that stuff. And then uh, waited for another phone call. And when that phone call came through, my guy said, "Okay, it's good. Go ahead." So I showed up to the scene, and uh, sure enough, there's there's the vehicle, just like I was told. And uh, there was one guy in the vehicle. And when I approached him, I thought, okay, here's my guy. Mm. But he had some physical disabilities in yep. his legs. And I knew that my guy, I didn't know him personally, but I knew that wasn't a part of his story. So I was like, oh, shoot, where's my guy? Right. And then out walks this gentleman from the store. And I thought, well, that's got to be him. It's early in the day. Not a lot of people are out here. Mm -hmm. He's walking towards the vehicle. That's got to be him. So I approached him with just, from that point on, in my mind, this dude is guilty. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So... I, I just I, I walked out that uh, the rest of that day with him being guilty in my mind, wow. and, and that man ended up being my friend Jamel McGee. Wow, that's um, okay. So you're you know you're on this narcotics unit. You're going to make what you think is going to be a big bust is going to further your career, um, and you see Jamel come out of the story. Jamel, why don't you talk now to the listener about the events? kind of leading up to that moment for you before you see Andrew coming to approach you as you're walking out of the store. Okay. Yeah, I had just got up that morning, and uh, my son mother was um, finally going to let me see my child, mm -hmm. and um, she was on her way to bring him. And I decided, okay, I'm going to go to the store. I had got pulled over that morning already for driving a suspended license. Um, so I didn't want to drive again. Um, and... I could have very well walked, but I chose to get a ride from my cousin's friends that was there. And 
Yeah, they when we got to the store, he asked me to use my phone, and I gave him my phone and went in the store and went to searching uh, for my little stuff that I wanted to buy, the milks and cookies and stuff, and came out of the store, and yeah, Andrew was right there like, hey, where's the dope? I'm like, I don't have any dope. What's up? And I kept uh, walking, trying to walk around him, and he pulled out, uh, he reached in his, search, his shirt and pulled out the badge. I was like, oh boy, mm. this is this is a little serious. So I was like, well, I don't got nothing still. And as the time, the longer I'm sitting here, the more agitated I'm getting. I'm mm -hmm. getting angry and angry the more um, I'm sitting here. I feel like this is wasting my time. I know my son and mother is at the house right now. It seems like I almost can feel it. And I was like, I need to get there. And the other officer was like, uh, man, if you ain't, had nothing to do with it. Just chill. Uh, it'll be fine. Just, um, <clears throat> just calm down. Everything will be fine. We'll get it sorted out at the station. And man, I got wow. and ultimately hauled in to the station that day instead of going to see my son. Yeah. So you get you get hauled into the station, uh, and then you get indicted and sentenced for a crime. That ultimately you didn't do. What was yes. that sentencing? What ten years in federal prison? Ten years in federal prison. Yes. For what was the char what were the charges? Um, possession with intent to deliver. Okay. Possession with a with attempt to deliver. Yeah. And um, the the reason you did is because on the other side of things and Andrew's side of the story, Andrew, why don't you walk through that right there? Yeah. So I uh, I thought Jamel was my target. Like I said. Right. So uh, as I'm talking to him, I'm, I'm acting very cocky, very arrogant. You know, give me the dope. Where's the dope? And, and it's not uncommon for somebody who brings dope to a crime scene to say, I don't have any dope. I right. don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that didn't, uh, that didn't surprise me that his mm -hmm. response was that he didn't have any dope. So, uh, so I said, what's your name? And he said, man, you ain't got to know my name. You know, he got, got real angry because I'm wasting his time. He knows he doesn't have, he, he doesn't have anything to do with all this, yeah. you know? Uh, but I just think he's being difficult. So mm -hmm. I have him detained. I have him put in the back of the squad car, searched him, didn't find anything. And then I go back to the vehicle, searched the vehicle, and I found an ounce of crack cocaine. Mm -hmm. So I bring it back to his window, tapped on the window, kind of dangled it in front of him, was like, ha, I got you. And, you know, he's thinking, you know, whatever. It's not right, mine. It's not mine. You know? yeah, it's not in my vehicle. It's not mine. Right. Was, so again, I say, yeah. hey, man, what's your name? Won't tell me anything. Won't even look at me now. Just like staring straight ahead. So I said, all right, fine. So I, I figured I knew who he was. Yeah. He's the guy that we called. Right. So I lodged him that day under that, that target's name. Yeah. Uh, and then it was two days later, I get a phone call from the FBI uh, saying, hey, that was not so-and-so. Mm. That, was, that was Zuki. That mm. was Jamel McGee. You said you got Ox, but you got Zuki. Mm. And, uh, and I started panicking a little bit because this mm. is a great notch in my belt. Yeah, you know? big, big bust. Yeah, and I was still... Still convinced that Jamel was guilty, mm -hmm. that I just got the name wrong. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a supplemental report saying, uh, you know, I was talking to my friends at the department about the situation, and I realized, like, it dawned on me that mm. uh, that it wasn't Ox, it was Zuki. So I just wrote a supplemental report, right. a, a lie, a uh -huh. ball face, you know, just straight out lie. Uh, you know, so I can't imagine Jamel sitting in jail you know, thinking, oh, they lodged me under this wrong name. That's not me. This will get cleared totally, up in no time, up. you know? Yep. So, I said that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. So, I mean, I just, I look back now, you know, 11 years later, and I think how many ways the system failed, Jamel, mm. you know? Even when we went to trial, 
you know, I had to lie in front of, I didn't have to, I chose to, right. uh, you know, lied in front of a jury, lied in front of a judge, lied in front of, you know, prosecutors and defense attorneys. Mm. And uh, it, when that, you know, when the, when the thing was brought up about changing the name in the report, the FBI agent's sitting right there. He is the agent working on the indictment. Right. And he's the one that called me that day to remind me or to tell me that I didn't have the right guy. Yet at the trial, he's listening to me testify. Wow. That I just realized that this wasn't yep. the right name. Yep. So just looking at just just all the systemic stuff there. Yep. That uh, you know when when a when a police department or when a a community of policing officials mm-hmm. decide they want to stick it to a person. Yep. Like that person. All guns were blazing. Done. You know? yeah. 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 Jamel had no chance. Right. His defense attorney had no chance because it ultimately came to my word versus Jamel's word. Right. Wow. So Jamel ends up going, you go to prison for, an, you know, charges and, and a sentencing for 10 years and you're sitting in prison and you're, you're stewing over this. Now, b- before we talk about kind of your emotions there, what was your life like before this? I mean, what was, who was Jamel? What were your ambitions? What were your goals? What were you trying to like, what was the path you had laid out for yourself? Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> no, Jamel, I was, um, <clears throat> Man, my goals was to, um, man, I wanted to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had just um, wanted to open up a car wash that was about to open up um, in March. Um, that's what I was just waiting on, the, the the weather to clear up a little bit more before I go off into a real full, um, full scale. But, um, yeah, that's the way, like I said um, before, like I wasn't a saint um, yeah. um but i i gave um i gave my life over to christ at age 18 and then again at 21 mm-hmm. um because at 18 i did that for my mom just mm-hmm. so she'd get off my back yeah and leave me alone <laughs> yeah and um then i realized that i needed a relationship with christ for myself and um <clears throat> so i did it again at 21 and but i still was it was my way it yeah. was jamel's way still um, so approaching into, um, to the prison, um, sentence, I was, man, I was totally different person. I was just angry, bitter, frustrated, just unapproachable altogether. While like, you're, while you're in prison. While yeah. I'm in prison. Yeah. You're just, yeah. You, you Describe just, that some more for me. Like what are some, you, what are some things that some events that happened or how, you know, what was going on in your heart during that just, time? Anything could have, like you couldn't talk to me. Period. Yeah, because I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't talk to you. And if you kept pushing to talk to me, I was just swinging. At that point, mm-hmm. it's, there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, and I already expressed that. Um. So I became <laughs> the person you didn't want to talk to, or or I was very very unapproachable. Like that was not going to happen. Right. Um, and when people did, they found out quickly that it turned sour real mm-hmm. bad. Um, now, did, I didn't, you, did you know while you were in prison, did you know that Andrew was the one that essentially was responsible for you being there and for you? Like, what was that like? You know, because I know that, like, in the in the book, like, you describe, you know, getting in some fights but stewing over the fact that, like, you're wanting to really just yeah. You dream about the day of you're gonna yeah. you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> that was, take Andrew out. Like you, you want to. I made a goal 
to um to when I got out to search him and find him yeah. and kill him or do whatever I could in whatever time I was allowed um to avenge the situation. Mm. You know, that was that was my goal. That was my heart set on that. Yeah. And man, God he saw some he saw something different. He saw a different way uh for me mm. uh than I saw for myself and he was planning it the whole time, just yeah, waiting on me to wake up. Yeah, like I like I like I tell in many of our talks, um, that time for me was definitely necessary mm. um, for me to get myself together. Because a I couldn't have, man, I couldn't have been a, a help to nobody, and especially definitely not my son. Mm. What were, what were the things that God was teaching you during that time while you're in prison? What was going on? Ooh, under the surface <laughs> yeah talk to me about that like you and the lord doing business yeah. in this in these prison cells yeah. you know what was happening there i think he he was showing me um patience and and letting me know that much as i want to he's the one in control mm. um and i gotta get out of my own way mm. and if like most of us we're in our own way um until I realized that I had to, I had to get out my own way in order to get farther, and then I started seeing it in instances where I could have got back in my way, mm. and I didn't. I chose to stay out of it, and God made that situation again something that I never thought or seen coming. Mm. Um, like I tell, and I and I talk too as well. Like I'd have never imagined this or being able to talk about this mm. a year ago mm. or two years ago. Yeah. Well, um, not a year ago, because it was already talking yeah, about yeah. it, but yeah. two years yeah. ago. Time goes fast, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> two years ago, I mean, it was it was rough. It was it was a rough, I mean, the role was, it was kind of rough for me, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's one that we all must soon <laughs> come to mm. or uh, at least get to that role, get to that place, and you will find that, Man, it's it's not so bad. Mm-hmm. It's actually the the better option of anything, because I could have tried to like with Andrew. I could have tried to go avenge it myself, mm-hmm. just like I had set out. That done nothing for nobody. Yep. Um, my son would have <laughs> been going through the same thing, but now with his father in prison, probably for life or um, another significant amount of time. Mm-hmm for something I did this time. And these are the type of things that I didn't want him to adapt or mm-hmm. didn't want him to see or know about. My, even in my past, you know what I'm saying, my past lifestyle, I did mm-hmm. not want him to grow up and idolize that mm-hmm. and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, because my dad, you know, like, no. And that's... One mistake I know I see a lot of us as fathers make. Mm. We gratify our lives and our kids end up taking that into their mm. own life and trying to live it or recreate it right. into their own. Right. Which is bad. Yeah, well, I mean, that's like, you know, generational sin cycles mm. and generational blessing. Like, it's it's a scriptural con- concept where... You know, the sins of the father are passed down mm-hmm. to the third and fourth generation. But it says the righteousness of the father is mm-hmm. passed down to the hundredth generation, thousandth mm-hmm. generation. Like, 
the when when you choose to draw a line in the sand and say, no, I'm not going to let the next generation suffer from my decisions. I'm going to repent, walk away, do a 180, walk into a different lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Then you're able to change and alter your family tree and Mm -hmm. alter the course of your family's life. You know, so you're sitting there in prison and you're, you're wrestling with this. You're like, Mm -hmm. okay, I want something better for my life. Even though I'm here for something I didn't do, Mm -hmm. it became this like wake up call to you. Right. But you're carrying around this bitterness, you're carrying around this frustration, you're carrying around all kinds of toxicity in your own heart that is unleashing on other people. Yes. You know, hurt people, hurt Hurt people. people. Yeah. And that was you. You're getting in fights in this federal prison. Mm -hmm. You're visualizing that these people that you're fighting are Andrew Andrew. Mm -hmm. because you're trying to seek vengeance. What changed it? Man. What was the instance that like made it go it kind of like i'm sure it was probably a process but what are some of those click moments for you you're like okay where god uh, met you right there in prison man um i would say realizing like for one i would say my family mm. um being that there was nobody yeah you know that that kind of was was pulling at me and and then at at the same time I knew this one who I was. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like this the person I became, I mean I've been this person, you know what I'm saying, my whole life, but the person I was becoming right. was not who I wanted to be. Mm. Um and I was like, man, I need to do something different. And then the thought, just the, even the thought of my child you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What, I, and that was my, I was thinking in long term. 10 years from now when I get out, man, what am I going to teach my mm-hmm. son? You know, like what is going to go, um, what what type of father I'm going to be to him? Mm. And I'm like this. Wow. Um, so I just like, no, no, no. So then I lean back towards the Bible, mm. you know, which I said I wasn't going to do. In this in this setting, because uh, everything was clear to me, it's like everything was in in, in in on paper. It was in black and white, so mm-hmm. everything was clear. Um, and I just knew, I just felt like it it'll clear up one day. But once I got sentenced, I was just like, forget it. It's kind of made you apathetic. Yeah, yeah. it's like, like whatever. I'm, I'm here. And then the last um, <clears throat> the last appeal that I took and that was denied and I was just like all right forget it mm. it's it's over do I and this me talking to myself like do I grow farther into this this pit that I'm mm-hmm. digging myself in this bitterness or do I get myself together and prepare for my son when I get out wow so you were sitting there with this crossroads going okay do I grow bitter yeah. continue down this road or do I somehow get better yeah and, and God met you at a head right there. Bam. Wake up. Yep. Yeah. There was a, there was a phrase that you, that you guys talked about in the book. And, you know, you said that this phrase, um, let it go, mm-hmm. just kept resounding over and over and yes. over. I love, I love to, you said it was before Frozen. Before, <laughs> before any of that stuff, right? You know, yeah. let it go, let, let it, it go. go. Yeah, yes. none of that. <laughs> that wasn't going through your head. On tomorrow, and this song was just in my head daily. Mm. You know, and I'm like, what is going on? I'm tomorrow I can go to sleep and wake up and this thing is still here. And I'm like, man, I'm trying to think of other songs, other things to block this out of my head. And I'm getting headaches. 
trying to think of other stuff and it just wasn't working. That's that song, because <laughs> it kept coming as if it was a song. It just stayed right there in my head. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I and I ain't understand what it was. I ain't know what, what, how, when, what right. to let go, when. You know, yeah, like, you're like, what does that mean? It's what just. But it was that still small voice, that the Holy Spirit just going, hey, let it go. Hey, let it go. Let it go. Wow. And I walked that same day. I walked on that yard, and um, I just began to reflect on my life. Uh All I can remember, and, man, I learned that. And that's another thing, too, that jarred a lot of stuff open, too, is like, man, these was all my decisions. Mm, Wow. So in the moment of being a victim, right, you're like in this prison for something you didn't do. You even, in that moment, took responsibility for the things that you had done or the positions that you had put yourself in. That's powerful, Jamel, because, I mean, I think there's so often, you know, for for myself personally, right, like my story, I'm a victim Mm. of my story. It's really easy to fall into that victim mentality. And so then because of that, you justify all these things and, and the world's against me and this is, you know. But, man, as I read your story, I'm like, there's been so many things that have, like like Andrew said earlier, you're a, you're a victim of the system, right? Mm. That things yes. just did not go well for you because of your situation. And yet in that moment of being a victim, you're going, well, where can I take responsibility? Mm. Because I know that I know that I got to, I know that I can come out of this not a victim but victorious, yeah. right? Because Jesus' cool. blood from the cross, but most importantly, the empty tomb, yeah. you know? So, man, it's just, that's just, that's powerful to me. So yeah. simultaneously, you're yeah. in this prison. There was like a seven-day stretch that you guys talk about. I want you guys yeah. to tell me about that because there was, yeah. there's something going on in your heart. At the same time, there's something happening with you, Andrew, in, in your life yeah. where it brings you guys parallel again. Let's talk through that a little bit. <clears throat> Yeah, so I think it actually backs up uh, a little bit further uh, from that seven-day section. It was uh, February 2008, so two years after Jamel and I have this run-in. Yeah, you know, he goes away, and then I go, uh, I go back to life as normal, mm-hmm. and didn't really think much about Jamel. You know, he wasn't somebody who was like on my target all the time. Yep. You know, he he wasn't on my radar. Like as I think over my career, like Jamel was not one of the people who, like. I was passionate about right. catching, you know. Right. Uh, so I just kind of went about my business. Forgot about it. And, and then two mm-hmm. years later, I get caught with crack, heroin, and marijuana in my office, mm-hmm. and uh, that was that was it. That was the end of my career. You know. Yeah. Well, because you're you're you know you started out with some of these like white lies, but right. But it turned into. Explain yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. Just turning into stuff. Yeah. And just thinking, uh, you know, as I shared at your church, is like when I started smoking when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I lit up the first cigarette. I stole it from my mom. I went out with my cousin. We lit it up and it tasted disgusting and it it felt bad too. It felt dirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the next time it still tasted gross, but it didn't feel as dirty. Mm-hmm. And, and I just look at all the decisions over my life, the small compromises I've made that have that have led to you know, complete moral failures, it always starts with a small thing. Wow. With just a little bit of a compromise. So what had started as, you know, what I would have called in my career creative articulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now I call it lies. Uh, yeah. You know, but I started off by, you know, I'm just going to make sure that this sticks. I'm going to I'm gonna make sure that I write this report in a way that it is going to stick. This person is going to end up guilty or, the, you know, the charge is going to stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what started is that found its way into by the end of my career complete corruption mm. you know 
Uh, I even made rules for myself as a police officer that uh, I would allow myself to to do these creative articulations, the bend in the truth, the bend in the law, whatever you wanted to call it. Uh, but I would never steal money from people mm. and I would never plant drugs on people. Like, mm. in, like in my mind, that was dirty. That was too far. That yeah, was too that was far, crossing the line. you know? Mm. And then, uh, but by the end of my career, when you start that slippery slope, you know, down, uh, you know, moral failure. Yep. Uh, by the end of my career, that was normal. That you were was doing nothing. All of it. Yeah, that Still was nothing money for from me. people from the city. Yeah. From, yeah, yeah. I was making sixty grand a year from the department. You know, with all the overtime that I worked, plus I was stealing money from drug dealers, stealing mm-hmm. money from the city, and, and still living paycheck to paycheck because mm-hmm. my hunger uh, w- was greater than even what I was taking. Yeah, wow. You know, so mm-hmm. so when my life crumbled, when I got caught. I had nothing left to show for it. Like mm. all, you know, it was all empty. I, you know, I think of Jesus's parable where he talks about a man who built his foundation on sand. Mm. And that's exactly what I did. I had built this foundation and one storm came through and it was a, it was a heck of a storm. Yeah, big storm. And all of a sudden it's gone. My foundation is gone. Wow. So, you know, in a three-day time period, you know, I tell people I went on a three-day journey, caught on a Tuesday, thought about killing myself Wednesday, and then went and talked to a pastor on the next day, on the third day, mm. and uh, just laid out everything to him. And uh, this was a pastor that I grew to trust. Uh, I'd grown up in the church a lot like Jamel. Like we found out uh, now that we now that we're friends. Yeah. That, uh, Wait, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, Hold spoiler on. Alert. We're sitting in the same kitchen, <laughs> yeah. same studio, yeah. your friends. Yeah. So yes. listener, you gotta stay tuned to figure you out. You got one listener that just tuned up because they wanted like, him to punch me in the eye while we were on the mic together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so li- you'll you have to keep listening to hear how this progresses. But anyways. Yeah. yeah. The the how is better than the what yeah. in this story. So um, so you're, you're, the, you saw this pastor and you guys, you were saying that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this pastor, you know, I grew up in church, you know, uh, seven years old, accepted Christ. I, mm-hmm. I go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Like my, my grandparents were the youth pastors. Mm-hmm. Like I had a great heritage and faith, but, uh, I never wanted Jesus to be my Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, I was totally cool with Jesus being my savior. That's pretty easy, right? Like, right. cool. You died for my sins. I don't have to. Thanks, wow. Jesus. Now let me live my life. Yep. You know, as a teenager, that looked like I want to drink when I want to drink. Yeah. I don't want to follow the rules. I want to smoke when I want to smoke. Premarital sex? What are you talking about? You're not the Lord of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. I'm the Lord of my sexuality. Wow. When it came to police work, same thing. So these little, uh, little things growing up that I always would just be my own Lord, mm-hmm. that's what led to my downfall. Mm-hmm. But as I was an adult, as I was a police officer, I started going to church because I mm-hmm. felt like this draw back to it. And uh, and this pastor used to be a cop. And I'm thinking, man, that's just, that's great. You know, like he understands, he gets me. you know, he gets me, you know, but every time he'd be talking about something I did wrong and I hated that, <laughs> you know, I, was, uh, I don't know if that's something that they, that they teach you. They teach and, you that in Bible school. Yeah. You know yeah. That, right? it's, it's like uh, uh, what dude, people do wrong 101, right? Yeah, like, well, I, dude, I get people coming up to me <laughs> almost every week and they're like, bro, you were like, you like, you like called me out yeah. right there. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Or you'll have someone who will, <laughs> they'll invite their, their friend and their friend thinks that they've just set up some kind of like right. arrangement, yeah. you know, because like you it's must the have first told time. Him. You, you must, must have told, told me everything every, I just yeah. did wrong because he just read my mail. Yeah. And it's like, no, I didn't, I didn't say it. Yeah. The Holy Spirit was the one yeah. that was speaking that. So I'd stay away for a while and then I come back and it was like every time I was going, he was talking about something I was doing wrong. Hmm. 
And I remember thinking, like, this dude's following me or something. And I know now, like, you know, I've grown in my faith quite a bit. That like, that was the Holy Spirit. Like, mm. stop, you know, whispering, stop yeah. it. Stop it. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting other people. Mm. Enough is enough. Knock it off, you right. know? But right. I just couldn't hear it over the deafening sound of my own corruption. Right. So, you know, I would go to church and then I'd go back Monday and steal money from people. Like, yeah. it was yeah. just, I, wow. I had, I was completely compartmentalized, you know? So I called that pastor up and I said, hey, man, I need to... uh I need to come talk to you. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, yeah, I've seen the news. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got a second career as a comedian or something. You know? Yeah, no joke. So I go in and I talk to him. That was day three. And I just laid out everything to him. I told him like everything I've done. And there's, there's like this cool power in confession. Like, yeah. like almost like God wants us to do those things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I started confessing and it felt so good that it was like I just, I was confessing things I was doing when I was a teenager because mm-hmm. it just felt so good to get that off my soul. And he listened real patiently. And at the end, he was like, man, boy, you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember thinking, like, you are the worst counselor in the (laughs) world. Hands down, you were a terrible counselor. And then uh, he said, uh, where are you at with Jesus? Mm. And that was a a question that forever changed my life. And and we just walked into this, what does it look like between lordship and and being my savior? And that's like like my mantra for life now is when I talk with people who say they're Christian, like I identified any day of the week I was a Christian, mm-hmm. but I did not submit my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord. Wow. Um, so, so that was February 2008, two mm-hmm. years after I met Jamel. Fast forward to December, I got indicted. I got indicted on my daughter's third birthday. Wow. Wake up that morning going to Chuck E. Cheese. That's what my plans were. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the day, I was uh, indicted for possession of crack with intent to deliver. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to January 2009, and I pled guilty to that charge. So, because I was guilty, right? You know, for no other reason than I was guilty. And, and um, that was the crack they found in your office, right? Because you were using it to stage. That's right. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, that's when we get back to long way back around to the one week, the mm-hmm. seven days. Okay. So I plead guilty the last week of January 2009, and Jamel. Uh, has this interesting run-in with with, yeah. with his counselor at prison a yeah. week later. Yeah, so. Jamel, why don't you talk to us about that? <laughs> yeah, that run-in with your counselor. <laughs> okay, in that part, um, I was um, man, this when I was like, God was really nudging me to uh-huh. let this thing go. Yeah, um, to stop dealing with it because um, in those moments, I seen some of the. Um, the repercussions you want to say mm-hmm. of of what could happen, and I'm just like, man, okay, I'm doing all this, and that's when I I realized that I'm hurting these people because I was hurt, mm. and um, I'm doing the things I'm doing now because I was hurt. Mm-hmm. So um, when I find say, you know what, Lord, it's, it's just your way, mm. you know, I'm done. It's my way ain't work. It ain't it ain't worked in all these years, yeah. and it's been my way. So I need your way. Yeah. I need you to order this stuff up for me. And man, it was that same day. I went back and I prayed that I would get up and and live in there as if as if I was at home. And man, wow. it just went to um, very. It was very quickly, and and it was something that I wanted to do as well. Yeah. Um, so when I came out to talk to people, man, it was it was hard, but I wanted to do it. Yeah, you know, yeah, it had like a whole heart change. Yeah. yeah, wow. And when I came out, I was like, "Well, how am I do this?" Mm. 
And I had no clue, so I just started saying, hey. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> just randomly, people, as soon as they look at me, hey. And they would be like, you know, giving me that look like, man, I ain't finna say nothing to you. Like, what, what's, what's wrong with you? Like, I ain't trying to fight with you. Like, go about your business. And um, But days, you know, days in and later on them days, they was, um, we'd get to talking and, They'll find out a little bit about me, and I'll find out a little bit about them. And it was just b building a small relationship mm. in that time. Now I looked at these people different. Mm. You know, I looked at them totally different because now I know you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Sure, you can approach me. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Because I know you now. Yeah. You know, I let down my guard a lot, and I got to know a lot of people um, in there and in, in that um, when I went to uh, woke up that morning, well, the the week later morning, and um, <clears throat> went to work as if you know my normal day. Right. And but my attitude was still jacked up towards the the CEOs, corrections officers, mm -hmm. all that. There was my attitude was still crazy towards mm -hmm. them. And I got to work one day and. They were calling me back to my unit, and I'm like, man, whatever they want, they know how to get in touch with me. Mm -hmm. They know. Besides calling me, they know that they can come, and I'm right here. Right. Um, so I'm not going. That's, mm -hmm. That was my attitude. Like, I ain't going. You got to come and get me. <laughs> and they kept calling me all day, and I wouldn't go. I, got, I went to work at 8 o'clock that morning <laughs> and got off at 3. Wow. And when I got back to the unit, the guy was like, man, you know they've been calling you all day. <laughs> and I'm like... Well, well, I'm probably finna go to the hole now. Wow. Time to go face the music, you know. And what, when I got to the, his office, um, he was like, man, hey, where would you go if you were released today, tomorrow, or six months from now? And I was like, probably to my grandma's house. And I gave him the address, and uh, he was like, well, you got 15 minutes to leave. <laughs> and I was no kidding. I was like, I didn't even have to come in your office because... I didn't know what he was talking about. Everything he was saying, you know, kind of went right over my head mm -hmm. until the fax machine beeped and uh, he handed me the paper and I'm reading the letter and now I'm hearing what he said. You got 15 minutes to leave with this paper saying, I have to leave immediately. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa. Like, and I knew. From wow. that point on, I'm like, this ain't nothing but God. Yeah. Like, yeah. this ain't nothing but God. Because, wow. and I didn't play it on myself, or I did this. Or, and I didn't even know that that was even going on <laughs> right. with Andrew. Right. You know, I had no idea. I had no outside contact at all. Yeah. So it was just like, all right, God, I got you. Man. So for those of you that missed the math, yeah. uh, Jamel wrestled with God, essentially, mm -hmm. a week prior to getting released. And that happens to be the week that I pled guilty, you know. So it was it was almost like this uh, this tag team switch that it was my turn <laughs> to go. Yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah. it was my turn to go into jail, into prison, and it was his turn. It was wow. his season to come out. Wow. But I think what's amazing is that wrestling with God, though, you know, for both of you guys, mm -hmm. right? That was the most freeing thing mm -hmm. that could have happened inside of each one of you. Mm -hmm. So you got, you know, Jamel, you were in prison. Mm -hmm. Externally, you're locked up. But internally, that wrestling with God is what was freeing you. Definitely. And so you were a free man inside of 
this prison. this prison yep. where then you're going in to be locked up externally and yet you in some ways I would imagine you probably feel freer than you ever had. Oh yeah, it got me back. Yeah. You know, it was from from February of 08 when I got caught till December when I pled guilty. Mm-hmm. I learned who I was again. Wow. You know, I started chasing Christ down within the scriptures and and just learning about him and how he deals with people. And, and not everything was great, right? Like, yep. so my marriage was falling apart mm. while my relationship with Christ is growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've got all these dichotomies in my life. Yep. You know, my, my relationship with my daughter is so strong because I have all this time with her now because I'm now unemployed. Yeah. Yet it's becoming to the strongest place that it's ever been right before I'm going to be out of her life right. for who knows right. how long. You know, I was looking at 22 years originally. When, when we first reached out, when my lawyer first reached out, I was looking at 12 or 13 federal felonies, 22, wow. 22 years, mandatory minimum. Wow. And we just, we prayed that, that, God would, uh, that God would soften the heart of the judge and the prosecutor. And uh, we just saw that immediately, that 22 became 15, then it became 12, then it became 10. Every time I go to the lawyer, he'd say, hey, it's getting better. And I'd say, that's not good enough. Wow. <laughs> you know, like I'm looking at how old my daughter's going to be, Yep. you know, and... Uh, and yeah, so just just man, God move, man. So then, right? So you guys flip flop. Now, Jamel, you're out of prison. Andrew, you're in prison. Mm-hmm. How long were you in there? And then what kind of transpired out? Because there's a really cool <laughs> altercation yeah. that ends up bringing you guys together. Right. So talk to me about some of the details of that. Yeah, so I got sentenced to 37 months, ended up getting that uh, brought down to 24 months, which I did 18 on. So mm. there's a lot of people that are screaming at their uh, device that they're listening to this, to this right now. He, uh, the black man gets 10 years. Mm. By the way, I'm white. I don't know if you can hear that yeah. through the radio. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Jamel gets 10 years, the black man gets 10 years, the white man who mm. was absolutely guilty gets three years, mm. which he only does 18 months. How is that possible? You know, and, and I hear you. And I, mm. uh, our system is jacked up and it's got a bunch of, issues um so yeah i mean we know that that we have the ability to step into this and start talking about some of these things now Mm -hmm. that this isn't just a spiritual story that's going to hopefully heal people that are dealing with unforgiveness in their heart but maybe we get to step into a platform and talk about some of these things that have been a problem for generations right and we've just been being quiet about right yeah that's it so uh so anyways i get an 18 month sentence uh i get out in uh the summer of 2010 and I, Davey, I was just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to light the world on fire for Christ. Yeah. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do this. I'm going <laughs> to speak to, you know, this, I had this dream in prison. I was going to speak to the multitudes about yeah. the goodness of Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to the FBI and get in front of uh, uh, cadets who are going to be mm-hmm. in the FBI. And I'm going to mm-hmm. tell them that don't be dirty and all this stuff, you know. Yep. And instead, I worked at a factory making minimum wage. <laughs> uh, Not exactly know. the plan you had laid exactly. out for yourself. Exactly. <laughs> but there was, a lot of, there was a lot of groundwork that needed to be yeah. done. There was a lot of rebuilding that needed to be done. Mm. And God needed to continue ironing stuff out on me uh, before we were able to do any of that mm. stuff. So uh, so I get out in 2010, 2011, I'm part of this church called Overflow Church in Benton Harbor, and they're doing this event called H3, Hoops, Hip Hop, and Hot Dogs. Mm. Uh, and it's in Broadway Park, which is a, a park where I've, uh, you know, when I was a police officer, I had pulled dead bodies out of there. Mm. Um, I had chased drug dealers through there. A lot of bad things happen in this park. Yet on this day, there's these kids are getting their faces painted, basketball tournaments going on, and there's yeah. some arguments about the foul calls, but there's there's not like fights <laughs> not or anything. Fights like it's a cool atmosphere. Yeah. There's some hip hop, local hip hop artists doing their thing. And then as I'm standing by the snow cone machine, 
I see this man coming at me. And like I tell people, like he was not running, but he was like a power walker. You know, like it was <laughs> walking with the purpose. Yeah, yeah, he was walking with an absolute purpose, you know. And, and, and I started rifling through my mind because I, I recognized him immediately, but I couldn't remember his name. I'm like, what's his name? What's his name? And as he was getting closer, I wanted, I knew that I had sent him to prison. I, mm. I, I couldn't remember all the details, but I knew I had done him wrong. Mm. And I really wanted to honor him by saying his name. And I, so I was like, what's his name? What's his name? And he reached out and I was thinking, oh, this is cool. Mm. Like, we're about to shake hands. <laughs> like, because like, I felt like God had called me back to Ben Harbor to be reconciled. Yeah, like, right. that's why I'm in this park. Not because I hope I die today. Right. Like, my, my four-year-old daughter is here five whatever she was like i don't want her to see her daddy be murdered like mm. i want to be here to be reconciled and mm. god has obviously brought him right here for me Boom. You know, all about me right here's a moment so yeah, all about you so he reaches out <laughs> his hand and i'm like oh so cool so i grab his hand and he grabbed he squeezed like almost broke my little fingers wow. like i joke with people that jamel shakes forearms he doesn't shake hands so <laughs> he's got a big big pair of paws on so <laughs> i uh he he said to me the first thing he said to me was tell me tell me why my my son missed or tell my son his son was standing right there with mm. him he said tell my son why he missed out on years of his daddy's life mm. uh, and at some level it would have been easier if he had just punched me in my face and been wow. over with it right like yep. that would have been easier to heal from and, and so i just started apologizing i had rehearsed this not just mm. for him but for all the people i had mm. harmed i really felt like my job was to apologize so i said to him man i'm so sorry i'm sorry for what i did mm. um I was I was an animal. I was addicted to my own ego. Mm. Uh, you know, I was I was a mess, and I'm so sorry I hurt you like that. I wish there was something I could do, but there's nothing I can do to give you that time back. And I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. It felt it felt good coming out. I felt like that was pretty good. But he didn't say anything. Like he just kept staring at me, and I was like, "Well, shoot, that didn't go the way I wanted it to." <laughs> so I said. I'll pull a God card on him. Like, you know, yeah. I'm going to tell him what Christ has done him. This is my chance to evangelize. So I said, look, man, uh, I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. Like, you're mad at a dead man. Uh, the same man that you're mad at, he died in 2008. He's a new creation in Christ. Wow. I'm mad at him, too. He threw away his family, threw away his career. Like, he's he messed up. I'm so sorry. Still nothing. Just saw, uh, like, like his, his little muscle in his jaw clenching <laughs> and i'm thinking oh boy all right i said you know what i'm gonna connect with them on a fatherly level mm. so i said you know what i know what it's like being away from your son because i was away from my daughter for 18 months and now now think about that i just <laughs> i just took uh, uh his 10 years yeah. which he did three of right and i just verbalized that i did half of what you did yeah like i just put it in your face basically and i'm trying to make it sound like like i can like i can, so I can, I can empathize with you yeah. yeah like it's basically you know jamel all lives matter yeah. you know mm. uh, you know you've got hurt i've got hurt we all've got hurt get over it i'm mm. trying to apologize to you like mm. it was so arrogant to say that yep and it's like a husband saying to his wife i'm sorry you feel that way right mm. it's not an apology yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so everything i had just done to build that bridge between the two of us i ripped it right back down right and Jamel said, uh, well, Jamel said, Jamel said some things. <laughs> Jamel said, he what did you say, Jamel? <laughs> what did you say, Jamel? We had to, we had to, we had to bleep it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't be the first person to cuss on this podcast, though. <laughs> and then he, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was something about the, I don't, I don't care. I don't give a, I don't care. We'll just, I don't give a something yeah. what you went through. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, and then he released me and walked away. Mm crazy so then yeah so then it's not like you just walked away what was going on there come on jamel tell me like from your perspective what was happening in that moment 
God, <laughs> God was happening at that moment. Because um, when I got there, um, my flesh, me, was going to do what I said I was going to do. Um, so it was just merely just me acting it out. Mm. Um, like I said, when I came home, like all those feelings, all those emotions was was back on my shoulders, which that day I called a test. That's the reason why I called it a test because I had not been in front of Andrew since that incident. And this is the first day um, I get to see him too as well. Yeah. And man, it, it was rough. It was it was rough. Um, but like I said, God met me there at the park as well. And and man, and he shook some things up. That that song, Let It Go, it was all back in mm-hmm. my ears. And also God's telling me, Hey man, what are you doing? You this ain't even your fight. Wow. We let this go in the prison. Like mm-hmm. what what's up? Like mm-hmm. you gonna get out of my way or what? Yeah. You know, basically. Um and this is going on while Andrew's talking. <laughs> All in your head right <laughs> here. You don't even hear what he's saying. <laughs> it's, I'm hearing it, but I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm waiting. Usually, um, Jamel just reacts. Mm-hmm. There's no waiting. There's no waiting process wow. at all. It's, it's let's get right to it. And now I find myself waiting mm. and listening which was is unheard of. Wow. And you know, especially in my life, um, it was unheard of. And God was a part of it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Cause I was I was this time I was waiting to hear something different than what I normally do. Mm. Um, what my yeses would be and my nose would be right off the bat, I'm waiting now to see, mm. you know, if that's the right answer. Yeah. Yeah, Man. and I think too it goes to show you like I thought he was being silent because he was being a jerk. Yeah, like he's not gonna let me off. Or he's not gonna let me off easy. Right. He's gonna make me beg for this forgiveness. Mm. You know. So in my mind, and and I knew I owed it to him, so I was okay walking through that. Right. But just I wonder how many interactions we have that we assume something about somebody yep. because maybe that's the way we would act or we would react to something. Yeah. And now the gift of knowing and hearing that he was going through that with Jesus. Here, here I am sharing with Jamel, thinking this is my opportunity you're to gonna evangelize. Be the one Jesus. Yeah, that, <laughs> that maybe he's never heard of Jesus before. And now I know because I know him that like this dude grew up in the church much like I did, wow. and he had a relationship with Christ much like I did, and he had issues with lordship just like I did. Wow. But in that day, I'm looking at him going. Uh, oh, he's just being a jerk and yeah. won't let me go, and I just making me basically beg and beg and beg. But in reality, God was speaking to him wow. more clearly than he was speaking to me. You know. Yep. Well, it goes right back to what you guys kind of talk about a lot in the book, and the theme of this is that this is not your fight. Mm-hmm. This the Lord mm-hmm. is going to go to battle for, for you on your behalf, and so here the Lord's. You're wrestling with the Lord, <laughs> Jamel. So is Andrew in mm-hmm. different ways. You don't even know it, unbeknownst to each other. It's lining up parallel perfectly. You know, that, what is it? Second Chronicles 20, mm. right? Where, where the, the people are in a, in a place where the enemy's coming to attack and Jehoshaphat uh, hears from the prophet and the prophet says, just, you need only stand still. Mm-hmm the Lord will fight this battle for you. That's right. And when I read that, guys, that was so powerful to me personally because uh, the Sunday before Amanda passed, I preached 
that passage, Second Chronicles 20. Yeah. Wow. I preached a, a message on that our, our weapon against worry is worship. Mm-hmm. And this moment where they get in this place and they go, we don't know what to, our, what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's Second Chronicles right. twenty twelve, yeah. right? Yeah. So you you both were in this place of like, we don't know what to do. And you had to learn to turn your eyes on the That's Lord. Right. And the Lord's response was, yeah. you need to only stand still. Right. And that's like that next step, you know, mm-hmm. in that process, like, hey, just just let me mm-hmm. do what I do because I can do it way better than you can do it. And um, and so I think that that's what you were seeing on that day too, is like the Lord was just, hey, let me let me take care of that. Let me yeah. take care of that. And how many business owners are listening to this podcast right, right now, like constantly taking things into their own hands? How many mothers with their children or fathers with their children taking things into their own hands? How many uh, husbands or wives who maybe are living yep. estranged are yep. taking things into their own hand and God is just whispering because he's a gentleman. Right. <laughs> he is whispering, stay calm, yeah. stay still, and I will fight for you. That's good. Wow, that's really good. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break because we're out of time. And this is going to make the listeners so mad because (laughs) we're going to continue this conversation with part two and release that in a couple weeks. But you're not going to want to miss the rest of this conversation because I'm sitting here in a kitchen that we call our studio (laughs) because Andrew and Jamel are not, they've not just like, there's not just been forgiveness that's happened. There's been reconciliation that's happened and there's friendship and brotherhood that has developed. So you're going to want to tune into part two of this interview next time on the nothing is wasted podcast to hear the rest of the story and some other conversations we're going to go into. I love that their story so far Mm-hmm. Uh, has come a little bit full circle, right? Yeah, at least like the fact that God brought them back together. Like how how like powerful and providential is that? Like, yeah. you, I, I think I would think as I'm reading, if I'm reading the story, if I'm listening to it, it's like okay, cool. They each made their peace mm-hmm. in their own separate places, and maybe okay, maybe one of them reached out to the other one and found this right. right? Like when I, I first think heard their story, oftentimes that's what happens in our lives. Yeah, right. You make peace of it. Yeah, and then you kind of move on. But the yeah. fact that then God brings them to this one place of this altercation where it's like, no, I'm going to force you guys to face this. Yeah. And I'm going to force this. It's like, whoa. I can't even imagine like what they were thinking. Yeah. I really like, talked about it a little bit, but like unfiltered? Yeah. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> can't even imagine. Yeah, I know. I, I just think that um, just what a powerful thing to, to trust that the Lord is going to fight on your behalf. Yeah. Like I know for me personally, I'm a striver, mm-hmm. you know? I'm like, okay, I'm, I've got this. I can take control of this now, God. Thanks. You know, I'm going to develop my strategy for how I'm going to navigate through this thing. And God's constantly reminding me like, hey, this isn't your battle. Right. Like, just sit still and I'll fight for you. And then you'll see victory. Right. You know? Yeah. So anyways, if this was helpful for you, first of all, make sure you tune into the next one. Yeah. Because we two. left you hanging. We did. And I know, like, I'll listen to these. And I'm mad. I'm like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know, I can't imagine what everybody else is like, but make sure you listen to the second one, but also make sure that you go and rate and review this because mm-hmm. um, it really helps us to get this out to more people. Yep. And um, it's really cool to see like our listenership growing it is, and surging. Yeah. Like so many of you guys are listening and you're tuning in and you're sharing it. So continue to share it. It's yep. really helpful to rate and review and share this podcast. It is all over iTunes, Google Play and Stitcher. Yeah. And you can find us on all those places. Yeah. If you find yourself over there just hanging on to the edge, like you want to know the rest of the story, we have hope for you. You guys can buy the book. Yes, you can. 
Yes, you can. And really figure out how the rest of the story goes. Right. The book so. is called Convicted. Yes. Right? So Jamel McGee, Andrew Collins, it's written by and with Mark Tab. Mm-hmm. And so Convicted is the name of the book. And uh, there's some kind of, I don't know the subtitle. It's like, you know, a crooked cop and, you know, all this. But you'll see it, right? Yeah. Jamel McGee, Andrew Collins. Go pick it up. I'm telling you, this book reads so well. I read it on a plane ride. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's riveting. Yep. So and you guys can actually find that book on our website. Um, so davyblackburn.com slash resources. Um, it should be pretty much right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to miss it. Um, and then you that'll like send you to a link where you can purchase that online. So, yeah. Um, Fantastic. Pick it up. I, I still need to read it. <laughs> so I'm probably going to be reading it in between these episodes too. But um, if there's questions that you guys have about the podcast, if there are people suggestions, yeah. maybe you have connections with somebody you'd want us to interview or, or yeah, just suggestions, um, some questions about some things that we've talked about here, um, need some prayer, anything like that. We would love to hear from you um, at hello at davyblackburn.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the music for this podcast has been provided for by Sleeping at Last. Grab his music anywhere that you can stream and download that. Um, you can you can get it on iTunes, Apple Music. Uh, you can get it on Spotify, mm-hmm. all of that. And before we sign off, you've got to make sure that you listen to this little clip Yes. from the next episode and my interview with Jamel McGee and Andrew Collins. But before the little clip is a really great little outro by Sleeping at Last. So we'll catch you next time on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. And that's what we're hoping with this reconciliation is that now we can talk about things that are going on in our nation right. that, that look like we look. Right. You know, in August of yep. this year, Jamel was pulled over. And, and by the end of that incident, he's sitting in the back of a squad car mm-hmm. having been accused of selling marijuana, yet they search his vehicle and find our book. Wow. And all of a sudden, all bets are off. And they let him out of the car. They don't apologize, but they all but apologize. Let him go. No ticket because there was no crime. Wow. And, and, and Jamel drives away. They call the tow truck back. Hey, we don't need you anymore. They call the county jail back. Hey, we're not going to bring him in like we said. We, now, this is 11 years after mine and Jamel's wow. interaction. Think of the scab that was ripped off. Absolutely. The open wound that was reopened. 11 years. We're supposed to, we've made so much progress as a people. No, we haven't. Yeah. You know, yeah. because there's communities just like Benton Harbor all over the country. Mm-hmm. There's like, it's like a police state. It's like a military state that you go block to block and you can see people being pulled over, hmm. people being harassed. And just because of the color of their skin and because of where they live and where they live because of where they live. Wow. You know, and, and, and a week later I'm driving and I get pulled over because I was speeding. I <laughs> yeah. really did wrong. Yeah. I needed to be pulled over. I, I wasn't trying to be reckless, Wait, but I was driving. For you're the... a former cop and you speed. I know, right? Dude, I was nervous <laughs> about that on the way over to my house. I was like, I better have the speed limit because Andrew's following <laughs> well, me right now. You kept trying to he's... get me to run red lights. It was like every red light we came to. I was like, man, this dude is pressing me. He's trying to give me a ticket. But yeah, so I get pulled over a week later and the officer comes up. Now, my daughter was in the car in August. Jamel's son was in the car. And he saw this officer treat his father inappropriately. Wow. Yet I have this interaction with this cop where he explains to me what I did. He was very respectful. I was very respectful. 
he he explains that you know this is what the speed limit was this is what you were doing he goes back he brings me back my ticket i got mm-hmm. a ticket instead of writing me for 15 over he wrote me for five over mm-hmm. you know and explained how to pay the ticket four different ways i could pay it mm-hmm. they don't step in the way of you and your money anymore <laughs> and and uh, and at the end of it i said thank you shook his hand he walked away and i drove off and it was like five miles down the road i'm like you know what that's white privilege 